welcome to the Small Me Podcast. This is episode 276. I'm your host, Kylie Fadams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the Baron. I, I need a new name for you. Why? I can't just have you Ooh. be the Baron of Bourbon. Why can't I? I feel like you need to be... Because I feel like you need a better name. I think you need yeah. something more majestic, more yeah. more, more regal. Pretty good name. All right, fine. The Baron of, of Bricago. What's wrong? <laughs> yeah, I'm the Baron of Bourbon. Who is a baron in Bricago? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you very much. Happy Valentine's Day, Bricago. Yeah. Ew. I don't like the way you said that into your mic all nasty. Like, like you trying to make love to people hey. in the microphone. Ew. Hey, it, is, it is a day for lovers. I'm here to make you feel good. I would love if you would stop talking like that. My other <laughs> man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man with the dopest, the dopest red hoodie. Who makes science look good? Who makes math look good? Who makes tutoring look good? It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. I won't be talking like that. I'm talking like a normal human being <laughs> uh, that still embraces love. I embrace love. Ha- happy Hallmark Love Day to everybody. True. You know? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Feeling good. The weather's uh, pretty, pretty decent now. And I'm in a mood to talk with our awesome yeah. guest. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Yeah. For our guest, but before we introduce her, I want to give a huge shout out to Agent Tinsley, yes, Stephanie, Stephanie Tinsley Fitzwilliam, who came through and killed it and rocked the show and did a fantastic job. Had the internet ablaze, as they say, uh, uh, who <laughs> came through and like wrecked the show and everybody was talking about it on the internet. So thank you to Steph for coming through and hanging out with us and, and rocking it super super hard. But this week I am super excited because we get to have. One of my bestest friends on the planet. I love this. I love this person so, so much. Gabby Michelle, you are doing some of the coolest work in the game space. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the specific things that you're doing. But I want to give the folks at home a little bit of uh, a chance to hear your background about how you got into the gaming industry and, you know, introduce you to the rest of Bricago. So thank you again for coming through and hanging out with us this evening. I'm super excited to have you. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. It's only taken us, what, like three years to <laughs> to get me on here. It's fine. Nobody's yeah. busy. Um, Everybody's super busy. No, no, nobody's busy. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not leaving for another country on Saturday. Uh, uh, yeah, so I've actually been a gamer, you know, my whole life as long as I can remember. So I got into the gaming space as a as a fan, as an actual participant. But uh, around the ripe old age of ten, I had an amazing fifth grade teacher who encouraged me to go into engineering, and yeah, and so nice. I just kind of ran with it. I went to school to be a mechanical engineer. Uh, I got my bachelor's and my master's in mechanical engineer from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Shout out to the Mustangs, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> and uh, and then I just kind of went out into the world. Um, I worked a few engineering jobs in aerospace and the oil industry, hydraulics. Uh, and then I eventually transitioned to being a program manager because I realized I am really good at herding kittens. And I am a professional cat wrangler. <laughs> and that just became what I got really good at. So I took my technical background and I became a technical PM. And I did that at a bunch of different companies. I've done awesome. infrastructure, aerospace, 
a lot and robotics. And then I got lucky enough to get a job at Microsoft devices, starting with Xbox hardware and then moving on to um, kind of all of Xbox devices. And uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Badass. Badass. So, so Stephanie, I mean, I mean, sorry, I've got Tinsley on the brain. I'm sorry, Gabby. That's okay. Yeah, Listen, yes. Stephanie was amazing. <laughs> I watched that show and I was like, she's on point. Uh, shout out to Tinsley. Uh, so Gabby, I'm sorry. It, so you, yeah. you said that you were, you were working on Xbox devices uh, or, uh, you know, from Microsoft devices and working on Xbox hardware. Is there a difference between uh, Xbox hardware as in, the consoles and the accessories uh, than Microsoft devices? No, actually, um, all of Xbox hardware comes from our amazing Microsoft devices org, obviously in conjunction with the Xbox organization. But we have this incredible um, family of um, Microsoft devices, you know, Surface, HoloLens, Xbox, and a bunch of other stuff that falls in there, all our PC accessories. And so it's just this amazing hardware team. And so uh, we, yeah, we all, we all are under that org. So it doesn't matter what you're creating. If you're creating hardware at Microsoft, you're probably in the devices org. Wow. Wow. Okay. Does that also account for things like the keyboards and mice? Oh, wow. Wow. So the headset, everything. Yeah. So like, are there, um, are there a lot of synergies between the teams? Is it kind of like you develop this? Let's try it here, or, or, is, or is it a little more like a siloed in terms of their... I think it's natural when people are working on different types of products to sort of silo, but there's definitely a huge push in the culture to share learnings, to work together, to continue to work collaboratively across all of devices, to, to share best practices. Um, and that's definitely something that's a huge push right now, uh, and to, to for everybody to learn together and and to share what what they've learned. So with, with so since all of those things are together, why did it take so long for uh, keyboards to make their way to the Xbox? Oh come on now, I can't answer that question. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's how about yeah, you uh, ask yeah. James Shields yeah. on Twitter that question? I'm going to I'm going to torture James Ooh. with that. I will ask him. The reason I ask the question is because it's been asked so often. Um and the fact that like all of those things work together and I understand that there's, you know, working in in corporate America things things that seem like they make a lot of sense don't really when you get you know when you get behind the curtain don't make a lot of sense and there there are strong reasons for that um but it is the question that so many gamers ask um of why why accessories aren't aren't mixing and mingling yeah well i think what is important now is that keyboard and mouse is supported on xbox and it is up to the game developer how they want to implement it that so is correct. We that are correct. always working to expand the ecosystem. So one of the questions that I want to ask is first of all, yeah. um, I have my I have my wonderful, lovely elite controller nice. here with me. Uh-huh. Which because I suck on mouse and keyboard on, on uh, PC, I will use till I die. Uh, <laughs> but but the one of the questions I wanted to ask you was about just how different input devices have become in the time or has has kind of transitioned in the time that 
from when you started in Xbox devices, I mean, Microsoft devices until now, has there been this kind of big change in the way that the kind of conversation has worked around, you know, how, how we want individuals to kind of interact with the way that they are playing their games through those particular input devices like controllers and things like that? I mean, it's changed humongously. I mean, like, look at the different options that customers have now. And that's the big thing that's being pushed is customer choice. You can play with a traditional controller. You can pick up any one of our color series. We have a bunch of special edition controllers. We have limited edition controllers. There's Xbox Design Lab. Mm -hmm. So just in the traditional controller play space, there is choice and it's all about what the what ex, what is your expression of you when you play like the the elite controller was all about you know making things a little more accessible and also adding more functionality and then now we have the Xbox adaptive controller which makes things even more accessible and allows gamers with limited mobility to create a controller yes. play space that's unique to specifically their needs so I think the, and now we've added keyboard and mouse. So I think the trend continues to be giving gamers more choice on how they want to play and where they want to play. Is it, I guess one of the questions I always think about when it comes to the process, I remember when we first met and you were standing next to this huge wall of all these beautiful, the amazing controller wall, the amazing controller wall that was at, I think, uh, was it maybe PAX? I think it was. It was PAX West 2016. Yes. And it, and it, and the thing I always think about is I never, I never go through the process of kind of breaking down the manufacturing parts of like, oh, look, this is a thing that like takes a long amount of time to produce. Like it's, there are so many moving parts and pieces of a controller itself. And then when you build out other ones that are kind of very special, like the elite one and, and other ones like that, like, I don't think consumers think about necessarily the process of how long it takes to get from concept to design, to production, to do any of that stuff. Um, I, I know you can't talk about very specific things, but like, what's, what's a thing that you would want people to know who are in the consumer space about the kind of process that goes along with making a device that they use all the time? Uh, hardware is hard. Um, you, yeah, you have to, when you're doing hardware, you have to iterate because you're going to get it wrong the first time. And to iterate, you actually have to build the piece of hardware, test it, realize how badly you failed, change your design and build it again. And when you're talking about like plastic parts and tooling, some of those have eight to 12 or more weak leads. So you could release a design and two months later, you haven't built it yet. So, um, I mean, the Xbox Design Lab program, which wasn't even a new controller device, it was just our ability to manufacture things one at a time instead of, you know, hundreds at a time. That took 18 months from by the time we did a kickoff to the time we actually had it shipping to customers. The adaptive controller was almost two years from the time we did a kickoff to when it was shipping to customers. And it just, it takes a long, long time. <laughs> I, I, I got oh to give kudos to you guys. Um, it, the fact that people are able to get customized controllers from you in two weeks from, from a design at a 30% markup over the price of a regular controller is remarkable. 
um, you know, it, for people who wear sneakers, you know, Nike, well, everybody wears sneakers, but people who are sneaker heads, uh, the Nike ID program, it, it marks up your, your, the shoe when you customize it by almost 50%. Um, and the adaptive controller, this is, you know, probably one of the most remarkable controllers that has ever come out, uh, has ever been released, probably the most remarkable controller that has ever been released. Thanks. Yeah, we are definitely price conscious. Um, and actually, just so you know, the Xbox Design Lab price dropped last E3, so it's only $10 more than a traditional controller. So, and a lot of it was we found ways to optimize our logistics, so we were able to get a better deal to customers, and we wanted to pass that on. Um, yeah, it it took a lot of work, but the important things for the Xbox Design Lab program specifically were getting it to customers quickly. We didn't want our customers to wait. And during most times of the year, you'll actually get it in three to five days. It's not even the full lead time. That that lead time's tip, more typical around the major buying holidays like Black Friday holiday, um, sometimes back to school, sometimes in the spring. So those will have longer lead times. But yeah, most of the time it's only a couple days. And um, with the adaptive controller, we were super price conscious because we knew how expensive adaptive technology was and we didn't want to be expensive. We made it as cheap as we possibly could. Not construction, like as inexpensive as we possibly could. Yeah, yeah. I, I teach a uh, video game class at University of Wisconsin and last year we had a section on accessibility and we had part of the class where I asked them, you know, like, what what do you think would be cool in a uh, controller? And they talked about all kinds of stuff, joy pads and buttons and like uh, pedals. And then we went and looked up the price of some of the controllers. And, you know, as I'm sure you know, they were like, you know, 500 bucks, 600 bucks, 700 bucks, thousands, you know, and yeah. like we had a lot of like a talks about, you know, should should it be should should you be priced out for you know for having you know for like not having full accessibility you know so when i heard the rumors about the xbox one coming out for the price i was like no way i i i <laughs> honestly i didn't believe it just because i had done all this research on the existing stuff um and it's just like like was was it and if you can't share this, please just tell us. But was it like at the beginning, like we're hitting this number and design something to fit it? Or like, was it like through the design process that you found out that that like you could have it at like a pretty aggressive price point? It was a goal from the very beginning. Um, we so it did drive our design in a lot of ways, because, you know, when you're designing adaptive technology, and you want to make it as adaptive as possible, obviously you want to add as much as you can. But we knew we had a, a, a limit we did not want to exceed and a price point we really wanted to, to stick near. And so it did inform our design a little bit, but we also released the right controller that had the right level of adaptiveness because what ended up on the adaptive controller is something that everybody can use. There's no wasted space. There's no wasted um, components or money, and that was also really important. That's cool. I love stuff like that. And one of the yeah. one of the things that I remember when um, the PS4 was debuting, or at least the rumors of the PS4 were were happening, right? And all these like really wonky revisions on controllers were coming out. Everyone remembers the conversation around the boomerang yes, controller that way. 
and yeah. the Batwing controller and all that yeah. stuff. Like, I've always wondered. Like, we have the conversation around the cutting room floor and like what didn't make the cut, but it's also like, are there ever like just out of nowhere, just like what in the hell are you all thinking? Design ideas that like people throw out in the conversation, like stuff that happens in the community of people being able to be like. Here's the thing that I hope you guys do. Like, put controllers, put buttons on the on the armrest, or put buttons on the top of it in some weird configuration. And everybody's like, "What in the hell are you talking about?" There are always a lot of ideas when you're designing a new controller and you're trying to create something new. And nothing's crazy because everything gets you started to talking, and then you can do user studies or other types of research to really figure out what your customer wants and what makes sense. And so every idea is great and it's a good starting point. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor for one reason or the other. I cannot tell you anything. But <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's I mean, fine. No, every time you're creating something new, you go through a concept phase where you have a bunch of concepts and you're just trying to weed them out. And that's when, you know, figuring out what your requirements are for your product and what you're really trying to achieve, what your customers really want, who your customers are, all of that work is painful but it's super worth it the thing i want to know is like as a person who is super technical and has all these wonderful skills you bring to the table and you're looking at the kind of ecosystem of the devices that you already have and you're looking at kind of the breadth and depth of things you had the ability to touch and kind of kind of stamp your name on do you have any favorites that are things that you are like that's my baby right there. Like I got a chance to like make that thing become a thing. And it's definitely, I got the chance to like make that thing mine. Oh, it's the adaptive controller for sure. That is the highlight of my career. I may never top it, but I like, I am so proud to have been able to have the honor to lead that team and make it happen. Um, And a lot of it was, seems like it was, you know, pushing rope uphill to steal from one of our, one of our GMs and devices. Um, so that one is is definitely number one by a long shot. Way far down, below number one and number two would be Xbox Design Lab. And again, it's because that mm. was something that started from the team. Uh, both the Adaptive Controller and Xbox Design Lab were two things that were started from the team. They weren't, you know, executive asks. They were things that, that you know, me and s- some other people in the group were like, hey, we should do this. We should do Xbox Design Lab or what became Xbox Design Lab. Um, and so those sort of grassroots movements and the things that become a reality are just the, the awesomest. That, you know, and that, that kind of actually speaks volumes to uh, a lot of the, the, the like resurgence. I, it, you know, if I, if I, when I look back on this generation and, and look back on, uh, you know, not only the games, but, uh, but the experiences that I had when I look at th- these two consoles between, you know, the PlayStation and the Xbox One, um, there is this kind of resurgence. Uh, Microsoft got knocked down at, at the launch of, of this console, and, you know, much, much uh, to, you know, by their own doing. Um, but everything that's happened since has really shown shown us how much uh you guys, you know, both both from the game studio side and the devices side and on the hardware side, uh, you care about the product and you care about building a 
phenomenal product for the consumer. Uh, the the Xbox One, the original OG Xbox One, was a hulking mess, yeah. but it was quiet. It was quiet, and it was beautiful, and I loved it for that. Um, and, you know, besides all the other stuff, I'm like, I am the test case. I still have my Kinect plugged in. I still have uh, cable running through my Xbox. My Xbox is in my living room. I use Cortana to turn turn it on and off every day. Um, so, but like, it's super quiet. The one S was a more refined version of that. And the one X is just simply the most powerful thing that's out there right now. And and then, yeah, I mean, the controllers are great. Uh, it's, it's just a really, really phenomenal device. But the fact is that you guys have continued to iterate on, uh, everything that, 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 you as individuals who actually care about things in it, and you could tell that it wasn't uh, the the corporate overlords, as you as you put it, um, pushing <laughs> things from down. You know, the things were coming from from the bottom and coming up, as opposed to coming you know coming from the top and going down. Uh, and it like that passion comes through in the products that that are, are produced. Oh, absolutely. I mean. A lot of it is putting gamers first and Xbox and Microsoft devices both have fantastic leadership and a lot of like a lot of the big things like the Xbox One X, a lot of that comes as vision from our leadership. Um, but I, I uh, and I don't want to be a corporate shell, but I there was something that that Panos Panay, who's the head of Microsoft devices, said was that um, the the hardware is the object that users interact with. And there's power in that interaction in that object. And those objects are a reflection of the people who design and make them. And so it's exactly what you just said. It's that that our passion and our drive and our love for these products shows through in every single Microsoft device, Xbox Surface, HoloLens, PC accessories, everything. Um, and Pano said it way more eloquently than I did because that man is more eloquent than I will ever be. But that's my one like corporate thing. But I, that has always stuck with me. The one few times I've gotten to hear him speak, that it's just objects are a reflection of the people that make them, and that's there's power in that. What is what is the future of Hololens? Um, because I have no idea. Right, like they, you know, they showed it in conjunction. You know, they showed it at CES. They showed it at E3. Um, they, the it's been at corporate you know corporate events and it seems like it will be um you know like a corporate device for a while because it's priced that way um but it would be wonderful to see that in in a as a consumer product oh for sure there is an amazing team in the hololens team um they have some of the best engineers i have ever met and I know they continue to iterate, but I have absolutely no idea. Um, they're a little sequestered. So I wow. just know that they are a phenomenal yeah. hardware team. Yeah, yeah, they're like in the but virtual yeah. <laughs> right. I too <laughs> would like my own augmented reality <laughs> so reality. or mixed reality. Like I am also waiting for that day. So we will right. celebrate together when it happens. Right on, right on. Yes. So to, to uh, follow up, I, I I know that you talked about uh, en- engineers, and I, so I know you said that you, you know, went to school for engineering, as like I did as well. Um, really curious, when you were like doing engineering, did you think of sort of gaming 
as a possibility. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know when you were in school, but I know like when I was in school, it was sort of a remote thing, but I don't know many engineers that were like, I want to build stuff for, you know, I, at the time this was like before the Xbox, I guess. So like Microsoft wasn't even an option. So like, it was, it was like, I want to build stuff for Nintendo or I want to build, you know, like a Sony has sort of just entered the realm. I remember my, my like big thing was if I ever do something gaming, I want to resurrect. (laughs) I want to, you know, fix the Dreamcast, which had just crashed. Like uh, when, when like I like it, Got, got like in so like was that a possibility was that something that like you and your friends kind of like that like you talked about in the labs and stuff um i never thought about being in gaming or gaming hardware my concentration was in um what we called at the time mechatronics which is a combination of mechanical and electrical systems so i knew i wanted to be in that field robotics mechanical electrical systems as the consumer electronics industry grew um, that was kind of always where I wanted to go. So I've ended up where I wanted to be. I took a very circuitous route to get here, but yeah, I, I did want to end up in consumer electronics ultimately, or something in mechanical, electrical or robotic systems. Uh, and I was fine with anything, but I'm super happy to be in, in consumer electronics. Also, mechatronics sounds like a transformer. Right? You might've been working yeah. on a transformer. That might've been why I first picked it. No, I'm kidding. No, that's not my <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you were. It works. Yeah, you were working with the. I forgot what they called that stupid element. It was like transforming. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. In 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 the Michael yes. Bay movies, it was, it was like we've developed Transformium or something. Oh my god! That's... Yeah, you, you gotta oh, get boy. up on your Michael yeah. Bay history. Yeah. Yeah. Hard pass. I, I just I just watched the explosions happen and then I and then I cried. <laughs> They're big dumb movies. Yeah. I like a big dumb movie sometimes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, what? So, uh, speaking of big dumb things, what are the big dumb things that you like to do, Gabby? Like, what? Are, what is? Uh, what are, are the things that you like? Like, oh, I'm huh. gonna unwind. How do you? How do you unwind? How do you like oh. find your happy place? What's your? Uh, happy place? I'm trying to decide how much I really want to share with the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, gaming is my happy place. It that truly is. I like I said, I've always been a gamer. Um, uh, my husband and I actually our first date was playing Borderlands together. So actually, I don't know if you can see back like there is a Borderlands treasure box, and there's actually one behind my head there. Um, so uh, like gaming is probably where I want to escape, but I can't always get to gaming if I'm traveling. Sometimes that's really hard. Um, I, you know, finding a really great gaming laptop that's travel friendly is is tricky. So if I can't find gaming or I can't get to gaming, um, I actually will read a lot. Recently, I've been reading a lot of complete trash. All right. Um, <laughs> because it lets me turn off my brain. Yes. Um, I have had a hard time reading like the really good novels that I want to read. Um, because I just, I can't put any more brain power. My work has taken all of it. Uh, I also, um, I think I've talked with Khalif about this before, but I knit Nice. and I actually take my knitting with me when I travel. And there's something very, uh, therapeutic about knitting. Um, I've been working on a baby blanket. That baby was born six months ago, so I'm way behind. (laughs) Uh, hey, Kim and Corey, if you're watching, I'm sorry. It'll be cold when you finish the blanket, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it will come in handy. 
it's almost done. It's like three quarters done. So those are kind of my three big things. Gaming, books, and knitting. (laughs) If I'm really frustrated, I have a table saw in the garage downstairs and a drill press, and I just cut things. Wood. I cut wood. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I feel like as long as you're not, like, knitting, like, you know xbox adaptive controllers like like uh, you like can't separate that's a great idea i should make like a little bag for an adaptive controller Uh, that's a a great idea i'm gonna uh yeah put a little logo on it spawn on me yeah for sure Yes. Yeah, so, 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 you know, since, uh, you know, as like all of us, you know, we've, we've been gaming for a long time. What, what, what are some of your like early gaming, uh, like, uh, like your favorites that, uh, you kind of grew, grew up on? Uh, I am the classic Zelda, you know, like I will always okay. go back to Zelda. Um, uh, Link to the Past on Super NES is kind of one of my yeah. all time favorites. Uh, Secret of Mana on the NES, which oh, they oh, released yeah. on Steam last year, and I actually have on my laptop. And I um, connect an Xbox controller to my laptop, and I'll play while I'll travel because it's, it's yeah. So that those are sort of the classic ones that I really like. Now on the modern games, um, anything that is a um, RPG, uh, you know, I'm a huge Bioware fan, Dragon Age, Mass Effect. I loved Mass Effect Andromeda, and you mm. can all at me yes. for it, and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda was a fantastic game. Um, so yeah, I I love those. I, I you know I love single player games. I love a story, that interactive story. Um, so anything like that, Witcher, jeez, uh, any of those. Nice. Yeah. Play way too much WoW. Okay. I used to. Right. I don't have time anymore. Do but... on the WoW train. Yeah. Yes. I, I've never I've played WoW. I yeah. played WoW up to like level 13. And then oh, you didn't play WoW. That's nothing. What do you mean? You didn't play WoW. I played WoW. Well, well here's the that's, thing. Yeah, here's the thing. So WoW. I remember You sneeze and you get to level 13. Oh, okay. <laughs> fine. I I will take the, the the 13 level shame. I remember uh-huh. that I was playing WoW and my roommate at the time walked in on me playing and she was like, "Ka it's four in the morning. Why are you still playing WoW? Or why? What are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to get to level 14. <laughs> and she was like, you need to go to bed. And that's when I stopped playing WoW. Because I was like, if I continue to do this, wow. I will play till unreasonable amounts of the uh, of the morning and then never go to sleep. It was so good in those beginning stages. And I started way late, like super late after WoW had been out for yeah. a very long time. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like crack. This is going to be bad. It's a time I'm not suck. Play this. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention Borderlands, yeah. which I'm really waiting for number three to come out because yes. like, I want that Dude. game so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I play, I'll play. i play that with uh, with my husband. Like, we game <laughs> together. Uh, we've been playing Destiny together. We've been playing Fortnite nice. together. But we play Save the World because Ray is amazing. And I Ooh, love nice. with Ray from Save the World. So. I'm the one person in the world playing Save the World, but I'm okay with it. Wow. Wow. So on the on the flip side of that, what is your uh, most uh, indelible tragic gaming memory? I, I usually quit before I get to something tragic. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a tragic gaming memory. Uh, uh, well, okay. How about my most frustrating one? I was playing, yes. I was playing okay. Uncharted, the first yeah. one, 
which is a game I love, by the way. Uh, but I, I tend to play games on easy because I want to enjoy the story and I have enough stress in my work life that I don't want to add it in my free time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so I was playing on easy and there were times where I would clearly get a headshot and the damn zombie or whatever I was shooting wouldn't die. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, really? And then the game kind of progressed. And I was like, oh, this is a cool, like, Tomb Raider style puzzles, little action adventure. Uh, and then it got to a point in Uncharted 1 where I was like, is this a zombie horror game? Because what the entire fuck is going on? And... And I couldn't, like, the zombies kept jumping out at me, and I scare easily. Um, like, my husband and I were just actually having a conversation about Metro Exodus, and I really want to play because the story seems amazing, but he said things jump out at you, and I'm like, I can't take that anxiety. Right. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so, right. yeah. So I said, okay, you have to play it the week I'm out of town and let me know how scary it is so I can figure out if I can play it. <laughs> Um, uh, and I hope he does that, honey. I love you. Please play the game and let me know. <laughs> I think he's watching. Um, so yeah, I got, I got to the point where I just couldn't kill the zombies and they kept jumping out at me and I just turned the Xbox off and said, I'm done. No, the PlayStation, it wasn't on Xbox. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I turned it off and I said, I'm done. And I never finished that game. Nice. Nice. Good job. Good job. No, I've I've been there for sure. I, I think I did that with um, Alien Isolation. Oh, oh yeah, which is uh, which is a fan. It's a fantastic rendition of Alien, but my heart was like racing too much. Like I was like, I can't. I was like, <laughs> I want to finish this, but I I can't deal with this. Right. Like it was like too intense for me. So I, I I never went back to it. I I hope to go back to it someday because they really did a phenomenal job with that license, but. I, too uh, much for me. I uh, I I only played. My only experience with that game was via Lisa Brown's YouTube. Uh, shout out mm -hmm. to Lisa Brown who just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa! Love you. Uh, and uh, Lisa Brown was playing it at a friend's house on a couch. Oh shit! Uh, it was dark, and I'm watching it while I'm at work. And the the xenomorph jumped out at her. She screamed. I screamed, and I turned it off. And I was at work. At work. At work. That's, I was like, yeah, I was that's like watching yeah, Josh Stein like, play Resident Evil, and he like jumps and screams, and then you jump and scream. I just don't oh click God. on those videos on Stein's Twitter feed anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It was so good. He had he had a great tweet the other day that was like him playing, and he was like. Had one of him to play, yeah, and then the I other tweet that, that came right after it was like, I don't think I've ever made a noise like that before. Yeah. <laughs> it was this thing that just came out of Stein's yeah, body. Yeah, I don't play horror games. And it was so hilarious. It's so funny. Um, a quick question for you, Gabby. So I, I'm, always, I'm always curious to know if folks who are in the engineering field, like... Do you have the matrix eye where every everything that you look at, you're like, I could fix that? Sometimes. it. I think it depends on what your specialty is and what you're really passionate about. Uh, I definitely will see things and I'll be like, that's not very efficient. I see it more on like process. Um, 
especially now because I've been a PM for so long. I'll be like, that's not organized. That's not efficient. Like you need to be doing this, this, and this, and this, where's Mm. your schedule. You should have had it in an Excel spreadsheet. Like you should be using project. Yeah. So, um, I think I drive a lot of people nuts because I'm like, yeah, that was so poorly organized or that wasn't efficient or how are you not planned this out? And yeah, I do that more than I say like, I could fix that, but it's more like I could fix your entire life because I would have it organized. That is one of those things where I always wonder for, for folks whose job is to be very, very organized and kind of formulaic in the way that you do things. If in their non-work life, if they're like TLC hoarders or if they're like like folks who have like really bad vices that are just like, have nothing to do with them being uh, like uh, uh, coordinated in that same way. Um, I'm not, I'm not asking you to spill the beans, but Uh, yeah, no, my desk is a mess. You just can't see it. Uh, there is a mess all around me. I just mostly cleaned what you could see, except for apparently that pile back there. Um, because I spend so much time organizing everything else. It's yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping my husband stays with me because I do make a bit of a mess and I am a, I'm not a hoarder, but like I make piles and then I know where everything is in the pile. I know where the pile is. Yeah. (laughs) But um, there's piles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so I want to get into a little bit more about the adaptive controller. Um, I remember the first time that, well, I remember when it got announced, and I think it was was it see was it was it right when we were in the E three press conference or was it? No, we announced on Global Accessibility Awareness right. Day last oh, May, May man. of 2018. Right. It, yes, yes. So it was it was announced like two weeks before E3. Yeah. And yeah, I remember seeing, it was like May 17th. Yeah, and I remember seeing the controller, and it being this like I had never seen anything that looked like this before because I was like, first of all, it just doesn't look like anything else that's in the the, the, the ecosystem in terms of like what you think of as a controller. But it just had this style that I just was like, Xbox has this thing about aesthetic. And I feel like the aesthetic is really dope. And the fact you kind of keep those things cohesive across the whole, the whole kind of ecosystem of stuff that you all do. How, how important was it to not just only keep it so functional and give it all these variables and options so that anyone uh, can use it? But how 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 important was it to kind of keep that visual aesthetic so tightly wound with the rest of, of, of the devices that are in that group? Uh, it was one of our primary requirements. Actually, Sharif, you were mentioning that you had been looking into these devices and you can probably attest that they don't look great. They kind of look like an other. Some of them look like medical devices. And so for us, making sure that the controller followed the Xbox design language like Xbox has a very well-established design language for this generation and making sure that this controller followed that design language and was not an other was one of our main requirements. It had to look like an Xbox device and that was that was the goal. And it yeah, it looks like a different type of Xbox device, but it it families with the Xbox One S and that was the whole point. Uh, one of the things you guys mentioned before stream was that you had heard about how we had made the packaging accessible. And that was also one of our, our huge things was we had to make this as accessible as possible. 
when we were visiting, um, you know, gamers with limited mobility and asking them to begging them to be in our beta test. Uh, we asked them a lot of questions and we learned that they often couldn't open things by themselves or if they did, they had to use their teeth. So we sort of, I know. Uh, so we, I remember I was with my user researcher and we walked out of a participant's house and we were walking towards our car and we both looked at each other. And at the same time we said, no teeth. This packaging has to be opened with no teeth. That was like our biggest packaging rule. Um, and since this is usually shipped straight, like a lot of people buy this device online. So we didn't just do the box packaging. We actually did the shipper. I just love the thoughtfulness behind it. And I really feel like this is how packaging should be like right. in general, like, because it's not like it, it makes it any harder for able-bodied people to open it, you know, right. like, like it just opens up the ease of use to everybody. I, I, I love it. I was blown away when I first saw it. Yeah, it was, it was important. And it's super, I mean, the thing practically impacts itself. I think when uh, Mark from Able Gamers did an unboxing, he made that comment. He's like, this is a boring unboxing video because this thing just pretty much unpits itself. And, <laughs> and that was kind of the point, like make it easy, make it simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you guys want me to walk through yeah. the controller too? All right. Oh, heck yeah. So yeah. I'll go do the basic features. Let's see. When can I center it? Okay. So Xbox button, view and menu, uh, profile button. So that actually lets you store up to three profiles on the device so that if you want to switch between games or um, this is basically an extension of the same thing that we had on the Elite controller, but we kind of blew it out for uh, the adaptive controller. So actually, if we turn this on, like when there's no lights, it's in default mode, and then one light is profile one, and then two lights is two, three lights is three, and then back to back to uh, default mode. I'm gonna stop this thing from blinking. You just press, by the way, here's a pro tip. If you press and hold your Xbox button for six seconds, your controller will power off. Yeah, you learn something new. D-pad for navigating around, and then these are two large programmable buttons. Um, they are just dumb buttons. But uh, there's actually a lot of power in two large programmable buttons. Default, they're A and B, uh, but you reprogram them to anything with the Xbox Accessories app and then switch between it with the profile button. Uh, the power in these buttons is that if you only have like gross motor movement, you can hit them. If they're not, they're very easy to hit. Uh, if you have decreased strength, maybe, and you can't lift your hand, you can actually just rest your hand on the device and move your hand over the buttons and they will trigger. They're that sensitive. Uh, and then if you, but if, or if you only have gross motor movements and you can't really control the force, these can actually be like pounded on and they're totally reliable and they're perfect. So these are actually really, really smart buttons. Um, even though they're just, they're just buttons and adding these two buttons, not only just lets you navigate the Xbox UI, but, uh, it adds a lot of value to the controller because, uh, Sharif, I'm sure as you knew, like buttons can be really expensive depending on what type of button you needed. So adding two buttons is a lot of value added to the controller. And then I'm sure as you guys know, the power of the device is actually here on the front or it's what I call the front because it faces the console. And so from an engineering standpoint, it's the front. My marketing partners hate me when I say that, but I'm sorry, James, it's the front. So uh, <laughs> there's your bind button because it is wireless and it does have a battery. Battery lasts in excess of 25 hours, depending on what you have plugged into it. And then 19 three and a half millimeter ports that externalize every single one of the traditional controller wow. inputs. I don't know. Can you see? So they're all labeled in high contrast. 
Um, and there's actually also embossed or debossed. I don't know if it's going to show. Yeah, totally. There's debossed yes. labels on the front there. You can kind of yes. see them. So that if if you're looking at the device, like if you're looking at it from this end, there's these little grooves that actually let you line yeah, up front, your jack yeah. with the debossed symbol here. And then you can just line it up and slide it right in. Um, but yeah, every single standard controller input is here. Uh, it's all labeled. These are also all programmable. If you wanted to reassign all of these, you could. Um, so you just plug in a button, a switch, a foot pad, whatever you want, uh, and that becomes that button. Like you want, you know, right trigger, you plug in a button, it's your right trigger. It's plug and play. It's easy. It just goes. Uh, USB-C charging is right there with that cable that you saw that doesn't have a zip tie. Uh, and then this is actually a DC power point, a power port. And the reason that we added it is actually because of these uh, USB-C ports on the side. So this is for your uh, left thumbstick. This is for your right thumbstick. And we discovered as we were developing it that there are um, a lot of, there are some actually, very few USB devices that pull a lot of power from the device when they're, they're running. And we realized that the battery life, if you were using one or two high-powered USB devices, was going to drain really fast. And if you, even if you had it plugged in via USB um, through this, the included USB cable, it would still actually drain. And we didn't want any user to get to the, the point where they didn't have power. And we knew it was a really small use case, like maybe 5% of people would be running into this situation. I actually haven't heard of any yet. So it's a very small use case, but we still wanted those gamers to be able to play. So we actually added this DC PowerPoint to make sure that everybody could play. And that's the controller. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. You so I mean part of part of being you know part of the joy and the draw of being a gamer is uh is is being able to feel empowered when you're when you're gaming when you're playing the games or you're embodying a character. Um, This controller allows everyone to have that feeling from from the construction to the packaging. And I feel like, you know, I, you guys definitely got your time in the sun um, with with the commercial on the, in, in the, on the Super Bowl. But I feel like not enough people are talking about this controller and how incredible and revolutionary it is. It is really, really remarkable. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, um, I'm I was super psyched when I found out about that commercial. But to steal a line from that commercial, you know, when everybody plays, we all win. And the team, I think the team really mm. believes that. And that's, you know, what drove us to do this. It's, it was been a very long journey. Um, started back at a hackathon in 2015. So super long journey wow. on this concept, but I don't, I, you know, everybody is so proud that it has seen the light of day and that people are buying it and using it and that it's making a difference. Was there a very special moment? Like once everything kind of coalesced and came together where you, you and the rest of the team were like, we got it. Do you, like, was there like a moment like that or was it kind of just all the things kind of mixing together? A, a little bit of both. Um, the announcement was really amazing and finally getting to be able to talk about it and seeing the reaction and the positive feedback was so incredible. Um, but there was a moment on launch day. We had a little launch party for the team uh, and it included people who, you know, were still on the team, people who had been reorged out or had left like everybody was invited and just celebrating um, 
the the fact that it launched and it was on shelves and people were buying it and it was shipping um there was that celebration then up until that point uh there was actually still a lot of work that had to go on um like with hardware development a lot of stuff goes wrong and it's stuff you wouldn't even think you wouldn't even think would go wrong and so it wasn't until it actually got to customers hands that i allowed myself to celebrate uh, and i think the rest of the team felt that too but it was a kind of a glorious moment on that uh, on September 5th last year, uh, right after Labor Day. We were all in the inclusive tech lab at Microsoft and eating cupcakes with the controller on them. And it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was my one requirement: cupcakes oh, with a picture of the controller on them. And so I was like, "I'm the I'm the PM. I'm organizing right. everything. This is going to happen." There you, go. there you go. And some of the best pins. Ever. Yes, yes. So oh, adaptive yeah. controller pins were so dope. Oh, those are so yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so I have dope. some of those somewhere. Oh, they're so so in good. a pile. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in a pile. Um we're all, we're almost out of time and it, the time has flown. Um I, I guess the, the last question is for me would be you've had this wonderful ability to have your fingerprints on so many wonderful devices and programs that have been in Microsoft devices. And you talked about how the Xbox adaptive controller has been the kind of favorite in that particular thing. It's kind of like the pinnacle of, of your illustrious career, as I will put it. Um, it, How does it feel to kind of know that the things that you're creating will be here for, for like eons after we're all kind of gone, like the, the, the kind of concepts and things that we're doing, uh, things that you're doing will be have ramifications way longer after you know you decide if you want to do something else or you know the industry decides that it wants to do, go in another direction in terms of the way input devices look like how does it feel to be able to know that you've had that kind of impact on on the gaming industry in this way it's kind of surreal uh i never expected to have that input and like every good high achiever i have imposter syndrome so i don't think i'm that special <laughs> um so I, it's really surreal to think, and I actually don't think about it very much because it'll just blow my head and then I won't, you know, I won't get my work done. <laughs> so, um, it, I, now that you're making me stop and think about it, thanks, thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's surreal. I can't believe that, that I was, I had the honor to lead the program that is allowing people to game again or for the first time. And seeing some of those videos on Twitter where you're like, my son can play Forza for the first time and he's never been able to game before. I just like blame someone that's cutting onions somewhere nearby. And right. uh, I have to close <laughs> Twitter for a second because that's it's powerful and crazy. And I will continue to consider that to be an honor for the rest of my life. I I, I mean, that's a perfect way to end, end this episode. It's it's Gabby, I've known you for a bit. Um, you bring light everywhere Aww, that you go. Thank you. It's it's been fantastic to fantastic to get to know you and to and to again like see the wonderful work. Don't you make me cry. Uh, see the wonderful work that you have been able to, <laughs> to put onto this planet, and like you're literally you and the rest of the team are, have been able to make all of us so so happy to be a part of this industry. And and seeing the wonderful things that you're doing is just amazing. So you know, thank you, thank you for the rest of the team that you all have taking on on these wonderful projects and, and made the gaming space better. So um, thank you again for for doing all that work and for and for rocking with us tonight. It means a lot. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm finally I'm glad I finally got on and you guys are amazing. Uh, I don't listen to podcasts, but you're the one podcast I listen to. 
So, um, I love you guys, um, especially you, Ka, because, like, besties, like, you and me, we're, we're, we're kindred spirits. And, and, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to finally be on with you guys and, um, yeah. Um, and you always have a place here. So if you ever want to come and hang out, you're always, always welcome. Yes. Always, always welcome. We're so, going to find more yes, time. We're going to find more time. Always. This stuff always, always flies by. Um, in another three years, it, it better not be another three years. <laughs> I'll be so mad if it's another three years. Um, so, <laughs> so Cicero, brother Cicero, we're about to get up out yes. of here for 276. Please let folks okay, know the social you. media business. See you later. Get out. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us the business. The business. Yes. Uh, Business is uh, social media business is as follows. Uh, go to, to all your social media platforms. Spawn on me is the place. If you want to follow us individually, check the bios. All of our information is right there. Twitch.tv slash spawn on me every Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. You will find us. Come here. Be in the chat. Throw your biscuits up in here. If not, you can catch us on your favorite pie catcher the following Tuesday. If it's a place where you can rate and review, please do so. And also subscribe. And of course, tell your friends. Uh, and if you want to level up your Bricago residency, go to patreon.com slash spawn on me. Donate as little as a dollar a month. And you can get bonus access like our wonderful show spawn on me after dark and some other surprises. So make sure you check us out there. And if you want to send us an email, it's at Podcast at gmail.com. Have a show you right. Oh, my God. Yuck. Just show you right. Ew. I need to wash my body like it's an after school special. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening this week and every week. We love Daddy you. Daddy has a flat top. Oh, my God. We love you. And the show. We love you all. Again, thank you for listening to this week and every week make sure you're checking out this episode and the upcoming couple of episodes we have some fun things that are going to be happening in the not too distant future that you will definitely want to be able to check out and make sure that you are paying attention to and stuff you're definitely going to want to share so uh remember to do all that so until then we're out of here Peace.